the podcast of the Doral Vineyard Church. This is a message by Denver Lee. My topic for today is no easy answers. Um, and I want to talk today just about understanding life. Um, as, as Christians, I think it's really important, not only for us, but for the people who are around us, because all of us, if you're, if you're a believer, if you're walking with Jesus, you are called to make disciples. How many of you know that? You're called to make disciples. So you're not just called to follow Jesus um, and trail behind him and observe him from a distance, but he calls you to make disciples. And, and so as a Christian, you have two major roles as a Christian. It's to walk behind Jesus and to do what Jesus is doing. And do you know what Jesus is doing? He's making disciples. All right? And, and, and our roles as followers of Christ is to make disciples. As we go into the realm of making disciples, some interesting things happen, and we come across some interesting people who have some interesting questions, some interesting perspectives, and sometimes we get asked really hard questions. Has anyone ever been asked a really hard question from someone who you're trying to share the gospel with? You know, like... Like, I just want to share with you about Jesus. I think a lot of us don't share the gospel because people ask really hard questions as you share the gospel, right? And we sometimes don't know how to approach them. And as followers of Christ, we have difficult questions for the Lord as well. And so what I want to start with is, I want you to think about what's the question that you would ask Jesus? So if Jesus was, was here and, and he was in the flesh and, and he was like, hey, you could ask me one question and I will just tell you from, straight from the heart of God, I, I'll give you the no-nonsense, transcendental, glorious answer. Like, you don't have to seek revelation. I'm just going to tell it to you. What question would you ask him? You get one question. What is that one question that you would ask him? Larry King said that um, if he had an opportunity to interview Jesus, that he would ask the question, were you really virgin birth? He, he says that's the question that he would ask. Uh, were you really virgin birth? Um, so I want you to think about that. What's the question that you would ask? And so you, there's a little pamphlet, a little handout thing here. And I want you to write that question. So there's two ways to formulate this, this question. There's one way to formulate it where you're going to ask the question as if everyone is listening. And if everyone is listening, you're probably going to ask a question that you already know the answer to. Right? So you'll ask a, a question that you kind of already have decided that you have an answer to. If no one is there and it's just you and the Lord, you'll probably be a little bit more vulnerable and you'll ask a more specific question and it'll probably be a little bit more of a personal question. Why did my father do this? Like what, what provoked this evil thing to happen? How did, how, why, why didn't you stop this from happening? How did you allow this? Why, why are my emotions this way? Why can't I control this thing in my life? Why, how can I do this? How can I get closer? How can I? You would ask some real deal question. It wouldn't be theological and it wouldn't be philosophical. You would ask a real question. And that's when you get no easy answers. One of the interesting things I find about Jesus is that when Jesus is asked a question, he very rarely answers the question that is asked. And what Jesus typically does is he, he sees the question behind the question, and he answers the bigger question. I'm going to go through the Gospel of, of, of John. If you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn to the Gospel of John. And I'm going to go really quickly through like some of what I believe are just interesting questions that Jesus answers. And then we're going to talk about the one main question that I want to talk about is as to where there is no easy answers for us. So, let's, so let us pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for every person that is here. We thank you for every heart, Lord, that has just declared you today. Father, I, I, I thank you that you know where all of us are in our journeys to you. You know where we are in following you. 
Would you open our ears today? Would you open our hearts? Would you open our eyes that we will be able to see you, we'll be able to hear you, and our hearts will be able to just receive you to the fullest as you would pour yourself out today, Lord? Would you come, Holy Spirit, and pour yourself out today? You know those who are desperate today. You know those who are, who are looking for specific answers today. You know those who have found answers but no peace. Would you release peace during this time today? Father, would you do something miraculous beyond what you've done so far? Would you continue with it? Lord, would you testify of your goodness? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to go through the gospel of John. John, John begins his, his gospel, and, and, and John is talking about who, who Jesus is. And John has some, John the Baptist is, is baptizing people, and he's preparing for Jesus to come. And he, he has some disciples, and he encourages his disciples to follow Jesus. He encourages his disciples, all right, this is the one who I've been telling you about, so you need to leave me, and now you need to go and follow him. As parents, you're going to do this at some point. Your children are following you. At some point, you need to tell them, all right, so you've been following me really well. You did a really good job. This is great. But I'm not the high point of where you need to follow. And so even though I'm going to still advise you, I'm going to still give you some, but you need to start to listen to God for yourself. And, and this is a really big section in John the Baptist's life because he's given away his ministry, he's given away his children, and he's telling them, go and follow Jesus. His disciples go and they begin to, to follow Jesus. And um, in, in John chapter 1, um, uh, verse uh, 38 as they're following Jesus. So they, they, they literally just get out of the water and they start to walk behind Jesus and they ask Jesus. Um, they, Jesus sees them following him and Jesus asks them, what do you want? And they say t- to him, where are you staying? So they ask Jesus, where are you staying? Where do you live? And in this culture, it's really important where you live because where you live talks about your position in the culture. You know, so are you rich or are you poor? It talks about your family, where, where you're from, what kind of person are you? Are, are you of dignitary? So they're saying, where are you from? And Jesus simply tells them, come and you will see. He says, just, just follow me and you will see. He doesn't give them an answer. He gives them a direction and he says, why don't you come and follow me? There's only one way to find God. It is not by me giving you the answers as to where he is. He says, come and follow me. This is the kind of thing you've got to experience for yourself. You need to come and to follow me, right? Um, he, he, meets, um, he meets Nathaniel, and he tells Nathaniel in uh, chapter 1, verse 47, he says, here's an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or in whom there is no guile. And then in verse 48 of chapter 1, Nathaniel asks him, how do you know me? And Jesus says, I saw you while you were under the fig tree, All right? So he says, how do you know me? Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. How many of you know that doesn't answer the question? How do you know me? I saw you in that chair. That doesn't mean anything. He doesn't really, he, like, he doesn't say like, well, I, I'm, I'm the prophet. I saw you. I knew you. I knew your mother. I've, 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 I've been watching you. He says, I saw you under a fig tree. And then he kind of leaves it there and he drops the mic. In uh, chapter two, um, he, he's, he's changing water into wine. And in verse 18, the Jews then responded to him, what signs can you show us to prove your authority that you can do this? So you've changed water to wine. Can you do a miracle to prove that you have the authority to do what you're saying to do? And Jesus says, destroy this temple and you'll see it rise again in three days. That's how he answers that question. Um, I don't know if you've ever asked God a question. Chapter 3, he talks to Nicodemus. Nicodemus asks him the question, how can someone be born again when they are old? And Jesus says that you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of the water and the spirit. Again, he doesn't really answer the question. He's answering bigger questions than the simple question. Some of you are like, 
I don't understand what is happening. Why isn't Jesus answering questions? Um, Jesus is answering the, the question, but he's answering bigger questions, right? Uh, chapter 4, he's at the well with the woman. And the, the woman asked him in uh, verse 11, says, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Where can you get this living water? Jesus says, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of this water, I will give them, uh, I, that of the water I will give them, they will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of welling up in eternal life. He never tells her where he gets the living water. He says something completely different. So where do you get the water? Whoever drinks the water is going to have eternal life. It's going to be springing up in them forever. That's where I get the water. And the conversation moves on. You guys should read the Bible the way I do. It's really funny and, and, and confusing, and it really doesn't make much sense at face value. Um, and then one of the interesting ones, and he does the same thing in, in chapter 6. He, he feeds the multitudes, and they ask him questions. And, and Jesus doesn't answer specific questions, but he answers the question behind the question. To every question that you have for God, there is a place where that question comes from. God would not do you or me any value by answering the little tiny question when there's a bigger question that's in your heart that you probably can't even articulate. So the source of your question is what he's coming to. So Jesus doesn't come to point us to an answer or to answer questions. Jesus comes and he presents himself as the answer. Any question that Jesus is asked, he presents himself as the answer. That's why it's really confusing. Because they're asking for something much smaller, but he's saying, no, I know the bigger picture of what you're saying, and I'm the answer. And so as to where he can say point to point, this is why, he takes the long route and he brings it all the way back to himself. And he says, I will give you water. I will give you bread. I will give you new life. That's how you're born again. I will. And he continually points to him because he is the answer. My message for today is that Jesus is the answer. <laughs> Whatever question that you may have, Jesus is the answer. And there, there are very little places in Scripture where Jesus answers anything without pointing back to himself. All right. So here we go. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Did you guys write a question down on your things? How many people wrote a question down? All right. Who wants to share a question? Can, this, is, this is risky, I know. Like, you're going to allow them to talk? Yes. Anyone want to share a question? Anyone bold enough, brave enough to share their question? Anyone? One? Okay, awesome. Go for it. What should I do next? What should I, how many of you, what should I do next? What should I do next? That is a great question. And Jesus would not answer that question, but he would take it. <laughs> but, but he would go full circle and say, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man and take up your cross and follow me, whatever. All right. So, so difficult question. So uh, John chapter 9, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Right? You guys know this, the story of Jesus healed this, this blind man. So Jesus saw a man that's blind from birth. And let me just tell you the, the problem that's happening here. This man is blind from birth. What does that mean? It means that there's no one else to blame. It means that there is no perpetrator to arrest for stabbing him in the eye. There is no accident to blame that he tripped and fell and landed on something. Uh, there is nothing to blame because this happened from birth. So... For, for most situations, I find that um, it's more comforting for us to 
point the finger at someone or something. You know, it's it's because of my mother. It is because of my ex-husband or wife. It is because of my children. It's because of my boss. It's really my career. It's because I'm too old. It's because I'm too fat. It's because I'm too young. It's because I'm too skinny. It's because I'm too black. It's because I'm too white. All these reasons as to why. I have this medical condition. I can't really walk. I can't really breathe. I can't really sit. can't really stand. My leg kinds of hurt. I can't really walk too far. I can't really walk too short. All these reasons as to why. But this question is really important because there's nothing to blame. It says you're just born this way and there's no perpetrator. There is no circumstance to which you can point to a simple answer. So the, the question in itself already is, is, is a challenging one. He says the man was blind from birth, right? And everyone knew that this man was blind from birth. So chap- chapter 9, his disciples asked him, so his disciples are asking him the question, and, and it's not the Pharisees. These are people who are following Jesus. They have been in the secret place with Jesus. They've seen him do multiple miracles. They've seen him do miraculous things, and they come across, and, but there's, some, there's a bigger question that's there. there. There's something big that's on their mind, and they're, they're wondering now about God. This is a God question. This question is not, about the, is not about the man who's born blind. This is about God. So they're asking, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Right? And in their worldview, someone had to have sinned for someone to be born with a deformity. Right? And, and, and some of us may even have some understanding like that. Right? I'm, I, I'm born this way, and, I'm, and I have more of a propensity towards this thing because my father was this way, or I have more of a propensity towards this bad temper or to alcoholism, or because my father, because my mother. But the disciples also say, was it him? Which is even more confusing because it's when he was born, so what could he have done before he was born to allow him to be blind? You guys ever thought about that? No? Okay. All right. Questions I have for God that he hasn't answered for me yet. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. I want you to know that Jesus does not say what many of us would say. If, if someone asks you, why are people born with deformities? I've talked to many Christians. No one gives the answer that Jesus gives. The answer that we typically give, there's sin in the world. Sin is in the world, and there's sin. And that's why he's born blind. Jesus doesn't point to sin. So people ask, why? Why, are peop- why, why, is, there, why is there stillbirth? You know, why, why is it that children die young? Why is this? Jesus does not say it's because there's sin in the world. And so that's why. Guys, are you guys with me? Yeah. All right. Those are answers that we give. And those are theological answers. Those are theological answers. Those, those answers come because there are men and women who read the Bible. And right, right Felicity, I, I, lo- I love theology. We read it and we get an understanding or a grasp on it. And then we come to conclusions based on what we've read out of the totality of Scripture. But there's individual places in Scripture where those answers are given. Um, and so theology isn't necessary when Jesus already makes it clear. Jesus makes it clear. If your theology conflicts with Jesus' answer, I encourage you to consult your theologian. Because if Jesus gives an answer, that's probably the direction that we should go in when we answer the question of why is there sin in the world? Why does this happen? 
Jesus does not say it's because there's sin in the world. Jesus gives what is not an easy answer, and he says, this happened, I'm in verse 3 of John chapter 9, it says, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. How many of you have read that and it's bothered you? That this happened, if you're honest, okay, like three, three honest people, four honest people, this happened so that God's power might be displayed through him. This bothers me a great bit because if something happens to my child, I have two little children and I have one on the way, um, my wife is going to give birth to a, a girl next month. Right? If my girl, I'm just warn you right now, if my little girl is born and there's a deformity and someone tells me this happened so that the glory of God can be revealed, I am not going to be happy with your answer. How many of you understand that? Right? That is, it's not okay for that answer. If you tell me that, oh, this happened because like, God has a plan, that's why. So you're saying that God did it so that he can prove that he's powerful, and that bothers me. Or God, or that's, or, or, or God needs an angel, that's why he birthed this one. There's, there's all kinds of answers that we give, and Jesus gives this really difficult one. In verse 4, he says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. <laughs> All right, so, so, some people are tracking with me here. Some people are tracking with, with me. Why is this man born blind? It's because God wants to reveal power through him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. For I, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus does not answer this question. He provides no comfort in this. This is a really difficult passage. All right, so that's it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to leave you with that. Um, no. <laughs> all right. Is anyone uncomfortable with that? Yeah? All right, cool. Let's pray. That's a good place to, 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 to pray. Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that, 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 that you lead us into situations wherein we must depend on you. Lord, so would you come right now, Lord, and, and e- even those of us who, who have answers that has never satisfied, Father, would you come to those places where we have answers that do not satisfy, where, 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 we, where we have theologies that do not satisfy the heart, where our, where our minds are satisfied with answers, but still our spirits and our hearts are not, are not satisfied with this, Lord. Would you come to those places right now? Father, would you come and present yourself as the answer? We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's keep on reading. So this whole thing happens, and so Jesus heals this blind man. After he heals the, the blind man, it so happens that he does this on the Sabbath, all right? He heals this blind man on the Sabbath. How many of you know that they, they all knew that the, 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 that the man was blind, so they knew him? Jesus could have done this on any day. He specifically went on the Sabbath and healed this man on the Sabbath. He's, he's always healing, and he also does another healing at the Pool of Bethesda in the chapter before this, and he does that one on, this, on the Sabbath also. In verse 16 of John 9, some of the Pharisees said, this man, speaking of Jesus, is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Right? So 
what is happening here? So let's look at Jesus' response. Jesus says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me because night is coming when no man can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. All right, let's, let's go to um, uh, John uh, chapter 1. I'm going to go through like three scriptures and then uh, I'll, I'll kind of bring it home here. Sorry, getting late. John chapter 1, verse 14 John writes of Jesus and says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, who's full of grace and full of truth. Everybody say full of grace and full of truth. This is why Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer because Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. Being full of truth means that your answers are not wrong. Being full of grace means that your your answers are kind of wrong. Being full of grace and full, and, and full of truth. And if you read further, in verse 16, he says, out of, the, out of his fullness, we've received grace in the place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth basically means the topic of my message, no easy answer. Grace, grace and truth are almost like God says that where there's sin, there must be death, and then you sin, but he doesn't kill you. That's grace and truth. Truth, God says, where there is sin, that you must die. That's what he told Adam and Eve. If you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Truth. Then they eat of the fruit. God kills another animal and covers them with the caucus. Grace. Grace and truth meet head and head. And if you only have one, you don't have Jesus. If you only have truth, you don't have Jesus. If you only have grace, you don't have Jesus. In him was grace and truth. And if you only have law, you definitely don't have Jesus. And that's what, that's what this is about. That's where this message is going. This is a grace and law message, right? So, so that's where this is going. They only have law. That's why the question is, is it, is it hereditary or is it a punishment? Is it because of something I did or is it because of something my parents did? Because they're under a system of law. And the system of law is what Jesus is coming up against because he's about to do something where truth and grace are about to collide on the cross and, and, and the truth of sin is about to be exposed, but the reality of grace is about to burst out of the seams. How many of you understand that that's what the cross is? Grace and truth. Truth is, sin, there is no other answer for sin but death. There is no other answer for sin but death. And grace is the death of the Lord. And so where we should have died, that's truth. Where he died in our place, that's grace. And on the cross, grace and truth collides fully for the whole world to see grace and truth in the person of Jesus Christ. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. And it all poured out. And that's who Jesus is. That's what the answer here is to the question that they're asking. Let's go to another passage. Let's go to Romans 3. Romans 3, I'm going to skip through a little bit. I'm going to go to verse, verse 9. In verse 9, Paul begins to write, he says, Jews and Gentiles are under the power of sin, right? And, and, he, and he quotes in the Old Testament through the Psalms of how everyone is under the power of sin. So everyone is under the power of sin. Of, of sin. And then in verse 20, he says, therefore, no one will be, de- will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So the law just makes you conscious of sin. So 
The questioners were under the system of law. The question that they asked betrayed what they believed. The questions that you ask betrays what you believe. They ask, is it him or his parents? Because under the system of the law, someone had to have sinned in order for this to happen. The law only give us consciousness of our sin. I'm going to explain what the law is in a minute here. Verse 21, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. If you have your Bibles, I want you to underline and circle that. Apart from the law, righteousness has been made known. This is... All right. The system of the law said that if you behave well, good things will happen. If you don't behave well, bad things will happen. It's basically law, right? It tells you how to live. It, 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 because again, and as I taught through our series that we just ended, because God is trying to show himself through the Israelites. So the system of law is if you behave well, then you'll be declared righteous. So righteousness came through the law, right? Those, those pesky 10 commandments that some of you have hung up on your wall at home, and some of you don't because they're pesky, Right? They, they tell you, and, and if you go further into it, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't steal, and then you lie under pressure, and, and, and you're up against this law thing, and then you feel bad about what you just did because you're under the system of law. Because you did something wrong, and then you believe that righteousness is no longer within you. They're like, Lord, where's my righteousness? Like, my, I'm no longer righteous, I'm but filthy rags. And you're not filthy, you're not filthy rags because you've come before a glorious king and you realize you're filthy rags. You declare that you're filthy rags because you've come before the law and you realize your sin and you say, I'm worthless based on the law. What we just sung was that he's glorious, he's victorious, and it's under that that you humble yourself and come low and say, I'm nothing before a glorious God. If you don't have that, there's only two options. You will do that before the law. You will recognize the standard, recognize where you fall short, you say, I'm nothing before this law, and I don't perform well, and therefore I'm nothing but filthy rags. Law is the system that they're under, and grace and truth is the system that they're bringing them into. So there's an old covenant, and there's a new covenant, and that's what we're going to look at in the next verse here, right? So he says, but now, apart from the law, righteousness has been made known. So now people can be righteous whether you behave well or not. So before, people had to behave well in order for them to be righteous. So if you're born blind, it's because of unrighteousness. Some, somewhere in your bloodline or in your behavior, there's unrighteousness. But Jesus is bringing about a truth that says people are not righteous or unrighteous based on behavior. Because he's bringing the question back to himself. Do you guys, you guys follow me here? I, I, I know this is kind of... Right? So, so he, he's saying that your righteousness is no longer based on your performance. Because I'm bringing... I'm answering this question, not with your performance, but I'm bringing it back to me. Righteousness is now based on me. That's where he's going with this answer. Because he's not answering mother sin, father sin, you sin, someone did this, someone... He said, no, no, no. That's not, that's not my worldview. Jesus has a kingdom worldview. And Jesus' kingdom worldview, he's saying the real answer is I need to bring this thing full circle back to me. So now righteousness is known apart from the law. Now this bothers people. Some of you in here, this will bother some of you. You won't admit it right now, but it bothers you. Because sometimes it bothers me. It'll bother you 
if people are made righteous who don't behave well when you're behaving well? Some of her, listen to sink in. Some are like, yeah, 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 those people. He come to work late and he get a promotion? He doesn't even work as hard as I do and he gets paid more? Let your payroll department mess up and put everybody's pay scale on a piece of paper and put it on your desk one day. You'll flip out. This guy doesn't even do anything. He gets paid more than me because there's a system of performance. Or this person has a nice this or a nice that, and they don't even tithe. I tithe every week. Why are they getting a raise and a promotion? I pray way more than these people do. I'm on the ministry team. I'm a worship leader. I, I lead a small group. How come God is doing that with them when I serve and I do this? There's a system of law that's still there. That's what Jesus is coming up against. So here, here's, here's why Jesus says, the night is coming where no man can work. Do you guys follow me? A time is coming where your work is not going to do anything. He said, I must do the work of he that has sent me. He must declare him, himself to be the point of righteousness through which righteousness is going to come through Jesus. He needs to do the work that you see that righteousness comes through him because the night is coming where no man is going to be able to work. Your, your work is going to be worthless at some point. So I need to do what I need to do so that you can see that righteousness comes through Jesus because the night is coming where no man can work. And some of us are in this place where no man can work, but we're still working. And Jesus says, I must do the work of he who has sent me. What's, what's, what's the work he's talking about? It's not the cross, because he's, he's, he's talking about something much bigger that's happening. There's something bigger. The cross hasn't come yet. He's, he's answering every question with himself. He's making himself the center point of all of theology. He's, he's making himself the king of the kingdom He's, he's declaring that I am the only answer. If your answer isn't Jesus, it's wrong and it's going to lead to hell because it's so wrong. You have to have an answer of Jesus for everything in your life. Some of you are like, that is way too religious for me. Every single thing in your life. <laughs> right? <laughs> Every single thing in your life. I asked Jade to preach last week because Jade is like one of these people who, who, who I know and Jade has said openly, if, if Jesus isn't everything in her life, she's done. Yeah. Completely, completely. Listen, there, there are some people here who's like, if Jesus isn't the answer to every question in my life, like pe uh, some people here are living on, on the brakes of depression and suicide. If Jesus isn't the answer to everything, so for, for those of us who are privileged to find answers every, everywhere else, there's some who just need the answer to be Jesus, because if the answer is not Jesus, no other answer will satisfy. There, there, there's some, listen, Jesus is the answer. That's where this is going. Some of you are like, why? So the, so the day has come where no man can work. Here it is. No man can work because righteousness is no longer based on the work. He's teaching his disciples here. He's teaching his disciples who are asking the question, why, why, is there, why is this thing happening? Is it sin? Jesus says, I'm not answering a sin question. I'm telling you that righteousness is coming from a different place than the law. So if you have your Bible, I want you to highlight that. That's a really good portion. Romans 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known 
to which the law and the prophets testified. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. That's what's happening here. It's coming through Jesus now. It's coming through Jesus. And so your performance, the days of performing has ended. And here's the worst part. Here's, here's the worst part. The days of us demanding performance from people is ending. There's a, there's a place where we demand performance from people. And, and sometimes it comes very subtly. Sometimes we demand performance and say, well, you, you just need to X, Y, and Z. Anytime you say, you just need to... Now people have to pretend to. Now people have... There's something else. But, God, but Jesus says, the glory of God wants to be revealed in him. This happened because God wants to reveal his power through him. So um, as we go back to John 9, my encouragement to you is to allow God's glory to be revealed. Right? Allow God's power to be revealed. So whether it's in your life, whether it's in your personal life, or in the life of others, if someone, is, if someone has something in their life that is not the performance of righteousness— Wait for God's glory to be revealed. Pray for God's glory to be revealed. Honor that person until God's power is revealed, but do not demand them to perform. Because the moment that we demand performance from people, what, what automatically happens is we instill the system of law. We, we, we reinstall what Jesus uninstalled. And Jesus is saying, there was nothing wrong with the law, but I'm coming with grace and truth. I'm, I'm coming to fulfill this law. And, and, and that's why every time that this is why you can't judge people, because every time you pass judgment, it's not based on grace and truth. It's based on the system of law. That's why he says, I'm the only person who's going to judge because I can judge based on something more timeless. And so personally, I want you to think of this. I, I, I want you to think through people in your life who you're waiting for to, to get right or to come to Jesus or to behave properly. My encouragement is to wait for the power of God to be revealed. Pray for the power of God to be revealed. Intercede for the power of God to be revealed. Encourage them until the power of God is revealed. But do not force them to pretend. And don't force yourself to pretend that there's power in your life that is not. All right, last one. We'll go to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3. And we'll finish with, with this. 2 Corinthians verse 3. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 4. He has made us competent ministers of a new covenant. Nobody's going to amen that. He's made you a competent minister of a new covenant. That means if you're still ministering the old covenant, you've not stepped into, he has made you a competent minister of a new covenant. The old covenant was that of the system of law. The new covenant is the new covenant in the system of grace. You guys follow me? He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. That's your ministry. Your ministry is new covenant. Ministry to yourself, ministry to your family, grace upon grace, wait upon wait, pray upon pray. You need to wait, you need to pray, you need to wait, you need to pray, you need to wait, you need to pray and intercede. Some of the greatest testimonies that come out of this church is not from people who, who do counseling sessions 
and tell people to behave well. Some of the best testimonies that come out of here are we prayed and we fasted and we waited and we encouraged and we loved. And then one day, the power of God was displayed in that situation. And then do you know what happens? Nobody gets the glory. No one says, man, this person is an excellent counselor. This person is an excellent this. Nobody gets that glory but God. God is the one who breaks through with power. In the Old Testament, people could get the, the credit. Moses, G- Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Take Abraham off that pedestal. The law, Moses was. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth comes through me. I'm, get him off that pedestal. I'm trying to get all of you to be at the high point. But people have to come off the pedestal. So he gets rid of the old covenant, gives us a new covenant where everybody gets to come. You get to intercede for people. You get to come to him for yourself. There's a new covenant and you're a competent minister of this new, of this new covenant. And it says, not of the letter, of the, but of the spirit. So you're not a competent minister of the letter of the law, but you're a competent minister of the spirit. You're like, ah, not me. For the, this, this is good. For the letter kills. Everybody say the letter kills. But the spirit gives life. So that, that's what happens. So the man who was born blind. Let me tell you some, something about blind people culturally in this time. When, when, when someone is, is born blind and they can't work, they can't contribute to society, they are outcasted. So this, this man... He, his parents wasn't with him because you remember there's a point there where they call his parents and the, his parents are kind of like, ah, I don't want to have anything to, to do with this one. You go ask him. So his parents kind of abandon him a little bit. And uh, blind people culturally are not given honor and respect. And so one of the practices that would happen is that as you pass by a blind person on the street, you'll do one of two things. You, you will either give them change. Because remember, he was a beggar. They kept asking, isn't this the beggar who was blind? So they either they beg for money. People would either throw them a little shilling or they'll spit on them. That's what happens when you pass by blind people in that kind of society because they're, they're outcasts. They're, because they're sinners. You're not blind unless they're sin. So either you sinned or your parents sinned. So either you're a sinner or you come from a long line of sinners and curse you because there's no other answer through which you could be blind. You guys understand the old covenant there? That, that's, that's the old covenant. This only happens one of two ways. And so they will spit on him. So when Jesus heals this man, you guys remember how Jesus healed him? He spit in the mud. You, 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 <laughs> excited. you, 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 you've got to imagine, you, you've got to imagine, I'm so sorry. I, I won't jump anymore. You, you, you've, you've got to imagine, imagine if you're blind and people always, okay, let's say there's something going on in your life. Think about the thing in your life that everybody has something to say about, right? Everybody's got something to say about who you're with, who you're not with, the, 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 the degree you got, the decisions you're making, your health. Everybody's got something to say. I, Im- imagine the one thing that keeps on coming back and all of a sudden, God shows up, and he starts off the same way that everyone else does. Sometimes when I ask people to, like, hey, I want to meet with you, they're like, oh, crap, what did I do? You know, and, and, and it's like because they come from places where typically the only time a pastor asks, hey, I need to talk to you is because you're doing something wrong in the church. 
And so they're like, ah, and so they start thinking, what I do, what I do, what I do, what I do. All right, I give a bad prophetic word. I prayed for this one person. It didn't come through. Man, I didn't say hi to this person. I, I did cuss out that teacher, but, but she did, you know, whatever it was. And you start to think about what I did. And then we meet. And I'm like, oh, I just wanted to have coffee. Just wanted to hang out. It's like, oh, man, I was worried all week because I thought something happened. I'm like, no, where are you from? Who are you? Right? But, but Jesus comes and the blind man hears this. Jesus spits on the ground. You've, you've, you've got to imagine his whole life, this is what he's hearing. Can I have a shilling? Either he gets it or he hears the spit and he feels it. So Jesus comes, Jesus. So this man would brace himself. Here's another one of those. Jesus spits. He makes a little mud pie, and he puts it in his eyes. And he says, now you go wash yourself, and you're going to be able to see, okay? And the man goes, he washes his eyes, and he's, and he's able to see. The system of law that asked the question about his blindness is the same system of law that says, you can't do that on the Sabbath. Missing the entire picture. Jesus says, I must do the work of he who sent me, because the system of works is ending. There's, there's coming a time where no man can work. You can't work your way into heaven anymore. You, you can't work your way into healing anymore. The answer comes back to Jesus. It, it always comes back to Jesus. All right. We're almost done, I promise. All right, so the, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In verse 7, if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in letters on a stone, came with glory. You guys remember Moses? He's up on the mountain. He's like, this came with glory. God was there. The mountain was shaken. It was amazing. Everyone's like, I want to be on the mountain like Moses. No, you don't. All right? It, it says, if that came with glory, so that the Israelites could not even look steadily at the face of Moses because its glory was transitory. And it says, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If when the law came, the, the law came mountain split open, God came down and exposed his back a little bit, and it was crazy. The law came and chiseled, you got to imagine rocks are there, and he chisels words into rocks, and Moses' face is glowing, and people come down, like, I can't look at you because you're bright, and this is a crazy time. Jesus said, if that was glorious, grace and truth is coming through Jesus. If you thought that was amazing, how much better is this spirit thing that's about to happen here. In, in verse 9, if the ministry that brought condemnation, everybody say condemnation. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? If the ministry of the law brought condemnation and it was glorious, it was awesome. Now this new covenant that is coming, that's pointing, how much more amazing is the given of this ministry that's about to bring you righteousness. That's not based on the works of the law. Verse 10, for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if it was, trans and if it was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, everybody say we have such a hope. It says we are very bold. Everybody say we are very bold. And he says, we are not like Moses who would put a veil over our faces to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull for to this day, 
here it is. For to this day, this is after the cross. This is after everything happened. Paul is saying, even now, still today. And if it happened after the cross, we're still after the cross. He says, even today, this, it, it still happens. We are not like Moses who will put a veil over our faces to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Testament is read. The separateness from God, that place that hides you from God, it happens again every time that old law is invoked. Every time the old law is invoked, a veil comes over your face and it separates you from God. Jesus says, I must do this work because the time is coming where no man can work. You, you can't work your way into this anymore. This is why I must do this because I'm about to point to me. And I'm doing it on the Sabbath because the Sabbath is, is the greatest system of your law. And I'm coming for your law. I'm coming for your law. I'm coming for the standard that your mother set, the standard that your father set. I'm coming for the standards in your life. I'm coming for the things that you thought you had to do. I'm coming for, I'm coming for all of it. What society says you have to be, what, what the education you think you need to have, I'm coming for all the standards. The job you think you need to have, the money you think you need to make, the, the, the places you think you need. I'm coming for all these standards, and I'm going to point it all back to me. And I'm disqualifying that thing. And so he says, this is why I'm doing it on the Sabbath because I'm conquering the law. I'm doing it through the blind man because it needs to be complete dependence on me. This is about complete dependence on Jesus. Why doesn't he do it? So if God did that through my daughter, my question would be, Lord, why don't you do it through a donkey? Make, make, make a donkey blind and then heal a donkey and let people praise you, and, but, but, but not through mine. He says, I need to do it through a place that is really, that no one else can be given glory. I, I, I need to do it through, I'm doing it on the Sabbath because I'm killing the law and I'm doing it through a human because I'm coming for humanity. You, you've got to understand there's something amazing. He is, he is moving you from a place, you've got to get this, every place that you perform for, every place that you're trying to perform to get to, what grace does, it allows you to perform from that place. You're trying to get to something. You're trying to get to a place of recognition. Grace recognizes you. And so you perform from a place of recognition and not for it. That's what grace does. That's what grace does. Grace kills the systems that you're working for. You got to let this soak up. That's what she says. The night is coming when no man can work. Some of you are frustrated in your work. You know people who are frustrated and they're trying to, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to, I'm praying harder. I'm fasting more. I'm doing this more. He says, the night has come when no man can work. It's righteousness in Jesus alone. You need to seek him for righteousness, complete dependence on him, not your dead works. That's, that's where grace comes from. Because every time you invoke this new law, do you know what happens? It doesn't bring you closer. It separates you more. You guys, every time the law is invoked, the, the veil comes back over your face every time you invoke that old law. Every single time. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. That's verse 14. I want you to highlight that. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. The thing that shields you the thing that keeps you or your family members, it's, it's, it's not correcting them back into a right place. Guys, 
<laughs> I was going to say crap again. I just said it. Okay. <laughs> You've got to end this mess of trying to just teach people back into righteousness. I know the heart is right. I, I know it. I get it. But every time you invoke the law, the veil comes back over their face. The, the thing that you're trying to do, the opposite, of it, the opposite of it happens every time you invoke the law. You're, you're trying to get them closer to God, but, but Paul says every time you invoke the law, the veil comes and it covers them from God. Because like, like we just saw, the law becomes the standard and you see yourself as filthy, you bow before the law. You recognize, I didn't meet the standard, so I'm lower than the standard. Jesus says, I'm getting rid of that system. God is glorious. When you recognize God is glorious, then you bow low before that standard. Then grace comes and says, well, let's read the rest of this. Verse, verse 15, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. It, says it covers your heart every time. Separates your heart from God every time you, you invoke that law. Every time you, you blame a standard, you blame a behavior. Maybe God is doing this because, because I, I, I tripped up and I sinned again. Maybe it's because I, I'm, I'm, I did this thing. So, and, and even on the charismatic side, maybe it's because I didn't listen to God. Maybe, maybe it's because I didn't obey this one word, and so God is punishing me. Jesus says, that's not what this is about. It's not you who sinned or your mother that sinned. You've got to get over this thing. You think that it's because you sinned that something bad is happening. Even when you say it's because there's sin in the world. You're still blaming something else when Jesus is trying to show you himself. Verse 16, but when everyone turns to, to the Lord, everyone say, everyone turns to the law. He said, the, the veil is taken away. It's when you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Not when people listen to your correction. That's not when the veil is taken away. Not even when you tell people to turn to God or else. That's not when the veil is taken away. The veil is taken away when they turn to the Lord. It, it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. That's what repentance means. Repentance means I turn around to the Lord. So it, it is the kindness of the Lord that, that leads us to a place of repentance. There's a, there's a young man who, um, who is uh, staying with my wife and I. And, um, and he had some problems in his home, and we, we've taken him in temporarily to, to help him out. And um, he, he's, 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 not, he's, he's not a Christian. He doesn't follow the Lord. Right? I'm sharing this with you because I want you to understand what I'm saying and why I'm saying it. Right? And, you know, and we had the discussion, you know, well, is, is he a Christian? I said, no, he doesn't. He's not even here today. You know, it's like, hey, he's not... He's like, it's not a, I don't require you to come to my church for me to show you the goodness of God. For me to feed you and to drive you around town and to help you to get on your feet. Some of you might even be really mad with me. I haven't even shared the gospel with him. You know what we did? We, we took him in. He didn't have a place to stay. We said, all right, come, come to our house. We'll, we'll put you up. And 
Do you know what happened this, this, this morning? I don't have my phone on me. He sent me a message this morning. It's like, I don't know how to repay you. I don't know how to thank you. I don't, it's like, why, you've taken me in. I'm, I'm, you, you've, you've, you've helped me. I'm, he, 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 he's asked for no money. He's nothing. He's just, hey, I, I'm, I, I'm in a rough spot. I need a place to stay. I'm hard, hard life. Guys, I, 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 what I'm saying is it's really easy for me to say it's because you have all these things. And I know some things in his life that are, are just not to the glory of God. I know them. We, we've, we've talked about them. God is the one, God is the one who, who's going to do it. I'm just partnering with God. And do you, do you know what, do you, do you know what makes his, his, he's seeing that. He's seeing this thing. He sent me a thing. Please pray for me today. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you today. Boy, am I going to pray. I invite all you to pray for him today, right? But, but the ship is going to turn. And when the ship turns, it's not because my wife and I got together and shared the gospel and opened up the scripture or tell him that he needed to, 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 to end this relationship or come out of this sin or to get rid of this or to get rid of... Every time we invoke the law, the veil that I'm trying to remove from his face is coming down lower and it's coming thicker. It's coming thicker every time you invoke that law. There's a thicker veil and a thicker veil because he already knows... Everybody knows. Everybody knows what Christians think about sin. You don't need to remind them. You don't need to remind them. I really don't think we need to remind people of sin. Jesus says it is the spirit that comes to, 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 to convict you and show you of sin and righteousness, not you. Your, your job, he's made you a competent minister of a new covenant. And as competent ministers of a new covenant, it is Jesus you just got to trust in him for the righteousness that you're seeking. You can't perform to righteousness. You've, you've, you've just got to look at his face. You've got to find him. Just, just, just seek him. And so for him, I don't know if he'll ever read the Bible, but I, I want him to see Jesus in my face. I, 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 I want to, that's, that's what I, because I know that when he sees Jesus, that he's going to turn to him. So I'm like, I need to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus so that when he looks at me, he'll see Jesus. And that's what's happening. He's like, ah, what is this church? You're praying for me. He says, I've never been to a church before. This is, he spent all weekend at the church. All weekend. Some of you have met him. He's all weekend at the church. He's like, I've never been to a church before, but I've met so many great people. He's trying to invite people to come to church, and he's not even here. <laughs> Guys. Because he's met some of you. He's, he's met some of you. He's like, I, no, you, he, was, he, was on the, he, he was on the phone telling someone, you, you don't understand. Uh, there, there, it's, it's not like mass. That's what he kept saying. It's not like mass. It's not like mass. You know? He said, you've got to come and meet these, these people. Some of you met him and you just loved him. And Guys, this is, this is how the kingdom of God enters into the world. Verse, verse, verse 17. Come on, guys. This is, you've got to get this. Now, the Lord is spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That's where freedom comes from. They're trying to figure out how the blindness got there. Jesus is saying that God is here. You're asking the wrong question. God is here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. All right, and this is what I'm talking about. And, and we all, who with unveiled faces, everybody say unveiled faces. When we... I want you to see the scripture perhaps in a way you've never seen it before. When we have unveiled faces, do you know why we have unveiled faces? Because we've come to a point of grace. Every single person in this room who has said yes to Jesus, you are here because your face is unveiled and you have come through 
the grace of God. You've come through faith in Jesus Christ. You have come to God by faith in Jesus Christ, and the veil is removed because you didn't come to him under the law. The veil is removed because you came by grace. All, we all, we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is spirit. We hope you enjoyed this message from the Doral Vineyard Church by Denville Lee. For more information, please visit us at doralvineyard.org.